Welcome, listeners, to another edition of Podcast Seeking Happiness. Uh, today, I'm really pleased to introduce a new guest to you, uh, a lovely lady called Anna, who's from Berlin. And uh, she, she will be talking to us about her work as an executive coach and helping people make transition in their lives. Uh, and hopefully that will give us a better insight into our journey to that elusive quality happiness. Um, so I'm going to get Anna to introduce herself now. Hi, Anna. Hi there. Hi, Andy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Very happy to be here. Talk to your I, listeners. I love the use of that word, happy. That, <laughs> that's what we're all searching for. Absolutely. Anna, I'm happy just, to connect. Yes, it's, all, it's always good to connect. Just, just remind me of your surname, Anna. It's Urnova. Yes, I didn't want to try pronouncing it because I, I thought I would pronounce it incorrectly. Um, okay. so, so my understanding, Anna, is that you are, uh, you are involved in, in executive coaching. And what I read about you, which I found really interesting, was that you were, you, you've been working with males, uh, looking into an insight into how they can make positive change. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I do identify as an executive coach, though now I prefer to call myself high performance coach. Um, executive uh, coach basically meaning, I mean, because coaching is a very wide field, you know, professional yes. field. So when I say I'm a coach, so people say, oh, so you're like a personal trainer in the gym or you like you train a football team. Not yeah. that. So the word executive basically shows that I work in the realm of business career. Yeah, and this is where I coach people. Um, and, but, and basically, yes, uh, what I found, and I, I've been doing it for 15 years uh, already. And what I found is that 80%, let's say, of my executive clients, so business people who come to be coached by me, men, I also noticed that majority of them, again, almost, I mean, all of them, um, belong to so-called uh, midlife or mid-career uh, strata. Yeah, so then let's say roughly between the ages of 35 and 55. Yes. And uh, I noticed, uh, also from working with other populations, like women or younger men, that this particular group that has very specific um, problems, and challenges that they want to solve. And also they, they actually all, uh, Andy, you would be happy to hear that they all are very interested in pursuing happiness. <laughs> oh, that's, they're, seeking, that's... they're seeking for that, they're seeking for that holy grail. The holy grail and, of happiness. Absolutely, yeah. And so I thought, okay, maybe I need to really a little bit, you know, focus on this population and, and see really what can I do? How can I help? Because I, what I find is like most people go about it the wrong way. So I thought yes. I can maybe add a little bit of my expertise and observations there. So that, that's yes. brilliant. Really, really, really good explanation. And what I was going to ask you just to start off with, this is something I, uh, I always move guests on to. It's just uh, a little bit about your childhood and problems that you remember having to overcome and and one of the things that I read on your your Facebook page when I was doing some research was about the importance of family dynamics 
Could you just explain yep. a little bit about that? Maybe about your... I like Andy. You make me eat my own cooking. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm yeah. good at that. It's the English teacher in me. I do my research. Yeah, yeah very good. Um, well, I've done some research, actually. I've done research of my own. I wrote a thesis about that, about the parallels between our childhood uh, family dynamics and the executive boardroom dynamics. Uh, uh, executive team dynamics, so to say, but actually it goes broader. So I, when I work with executives, I actually do ask this exact question, Andy. So yeah, absolutely, <laughs> Anna. How I'm, about, I'm, uh, I'm on the ball then. Absolutely. And of course, I, I, I look into my childhood a lot and I look during my research and I looked a lot. And I would say um, the two things I would, I would mention uh, that really stood up, uh, stand out for me is one, that I have a very confused identity as a child. Uh, 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 my family was created as a result of the Second World War. Okay. Uh, uh, my grandfather and my grandmother met during war. During the war, they left their previous families. As a result, they ended up in the third country where they basically were immigrants. My mother was born in, in a country that was not her motherland. They never had any opportunity to connect back to the families uh, that they left behind. It wasn't the intention. So there was some, some letters written or whatever, but because of the Cold War and the Iron Curtain, they were completely separated. It's like that basically, and that happened to them at midlife. Wow. They were around the age of 40 when basically the life was set back to zero. Yes. And they, and they started like the new life. That's on my mother's side. On my father's side, um there's a uh, my father uh, has a russian and jewish heritage and uh, uh where the family was located basically jewish heritage for instance was something that was life-threatening so it was actually something that was hidden kept undercover and uh, so i grew with this uh, basically five nationalities with uh, uh russian and uh, uh and jewish on one side with uh, German, English, and some Irish on the other side, uh, and <laughs> we, it we've was all got a little bit confusing. of Irish. Yeah, I was called after my uh, Irish uh, great grandmother. Oh, lovely! That's, why, that's why, how I inherited the name, yes. and of course, I've never met her. Yeah, but uh, oh. so it was. It was just terribly confusing to grow up as a child and hear people speak different languages and having different accents and having just a totally different cultural frameworks and how that all and in and, and actually also these nations were at war as well you know just recently so it was um and so uh in me so i sometimes feel also that this these five lines are at war and sometimes they're at peace and uh, i am where they meet and I'm extremely yes. grateful for that. Although, of course, it didn't come without challenges. So this, challenges, and yeah. as, as a funny thing, I don't know, Andy, if you heard um, this term, mess into mission. Okay, El elaborate. It's basically when you have something traumatic in your life, let's call it a mess, yeah? I yeah. mean, generally, traumatic, difficult, some a challenge. And because you're working on it a lot, you get very good at it. And then you find that you actually maybe help, can help other people because you you basically got grew some expertise, you know, you grew some muscles around dealing with that challenge. Yes. I'm sure you can connect to that through I what I heard. Yeah, I but. can connect to that from being a teacher. Yeah, you uh, you spend a lot of time with pupils, obviously, you know, very, very young people. And then pe 
pupils that are going through uh, that traumatic period of life called uh, called teen being a teenager where everything's about change and learning about the new processes of life and uh, yeah so I've experienced that and tried to try to share my my experience and understanding of how to get through difficult periods of life with other people and I guess that's what the podcast is all about really Anna just absolutely trying to, trying to help other people it's absolutely so just you reframe your challenge your trauma not as a suffering though you did suffer through it but then you reframe and say okay what's the purpose what could be the purpose uh and and that actually creates happiness because when you think okay well my suffering is not in vain i can now use that to serve other people through maybe similar challenges that's how it could become mission and so funny enough uh work with identity is what i do as a coach yeah okay. because i am like terribly confused about it i'm working on my identity almost every single day so i think how can who could be better at helping people navigate identities than me who struggles with it all the time okay that's really um, that's that's really good uh insight into into yourself and 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 what why you got into you know helping other people because you, you, you by the sounds of it you'd had a very confusing childhood yourself and yeah. um you know you you had to you had to think a lot about the family dynamics that we mentioned earlier just to be able to work out what the world around you was all about i just want to move on to something that i read on your facebook page anna uh and i'm just going to read the quote it, it said your happiness is more likely to hit rock bottom at age 47 a new study further supports the happiness curve theory which states that our happiness levels fall in the first decades of adulthood and then hit rock bottom in our late 40s or 50s. So can you elaborate on that and just explain for our listeners what they can do to combat that life change that they may be approaching? Mm -hmm. uh, well, there is no secret and it's been, I mean, it's been like, mentioned in classics and everywhere you know like the Dante like in the middle of uh, uh, a forest I found myself in a dark place and uh, that, that there is some place in the middle of our life where people can usually in, experience a kind of impasse you know a stage that sort of uh, requires some attention let's put it this way yeah, yeah. and there's been oh some studies um and as I said, because I, I, I just happened to deal with, uh, as a coach also with men in that particular uh, um, lifetime, yeah? Like what yeah. We, we can refer to uh, generally as midlife, yeah? So that's yes. between 35, 55. So, yes. so of course, I was curious to make sense of my observations and my practice. So I, 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 I dug some research on this, on this subject and so on. And, and of course, a lot, there is a lot. Too. So by no means, I'm like uh, claiming that, I, you know, I got it right. But generally, what all people are saying, that there is some happiness curve. So basically, uh, as our ages, age curve goes up, if you, yeah so this the, the it kind of mirrored by the happiness curve and 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 uh, men happen to kind of drop into this unhappiness dip more uh, uh, than than women for some reason and also a kind of driven uh, success oriented driven men especially uh, tend to kind of drop uh, 
deeper. So it, it, it roughly happens at the age of 45, 47, that, that they basically feel most unhappy. Okay. And there's, there's like, like a book that's called The Happiness Curve, uh, written by Jonathan uh, Rauch or Rauch. I'm not sure how to uh, pronounce his name exactly. But if you, if you Google The Happiness Curve, you'll find it. Brilliant. And I read, I read also some PhDs on the topic. And then I, I, I noticed these articles, you know, where basically very, very diverse research shows the same thing. And there's like an Indian guru who talks about that there are certain ages. I also have a, a post on, on my uh, Facebook page that there are certain ages where basically you have to reset yourself. You have to go through change. Uh, and there's some, uh, let's say, uh, I'm a Western research, yeah, where where which actually shows like, yeah, it seems like 47 is like the 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 the, the age where people are most likely to be unhappy. Right, because I've I've passed that now, and I think I think <laughs> the happy, I think the happiness Good. curve, I think the happiness curve is uh, is is true in certain respects, because I think I remember hitting 47 was when when I had my diagnosis. <laughs> of multiple sclerosis mm. that I was telling you earlier. And it's it's now taken me a couple of years just to get myself back to a place where I'm starting, I'm starting to accept the change and that I'm never going to be the same. And I think that that relates to to other people as well, that, you know, as you get older, you, you're never going to be the same as you were. Uh, but it doesn't mean that life is going to be less less unhappy for you you can find new happiness in other in other outlets yeah so first of all andy i'm really sorry to hear you know about the diagnosis and, yeah uh, that's okay yeah it, yeah but i at the same time i have to say i'm happy what you did with it you know um because it's uh, um i i think it, it kind of connects to this mess into mission you know when you you hit an obstacle in your life, a challenge, but but you you work with it and basically you make a choice. You have still a choice, yeah. And you have power. What you do with it, you you don't have a choice to have it or not, but you have a cho a choice what you do with it. Yes. And you can be a victim, or and and victims are never happy <laughs> because by definition they have to suffer to get rewards, you know. Um, but uh, you can choose, to, you, you can press the other button, which says, choose to be happy. And I, I with, fully, with I what I agree. have. Yeah, and I choose uh, yeah, I to turn agree. this into my new mission, yeah? Yeah, that's Sorry. right. I, one of the things that I put on my wall, I was talking to um, an NLP therapist, uh, I think it was in the first the first podcast that we did, and we were talking about uh, putting positive messages in places where you can read them. And just coming back to what you said about the victim, one of the positive messages that I put on my wall was stop being the victim and start mm. being the victor. Mm. And I, re mm. I read that every morning. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you just press a different button every yes. morning. You have absolutely. a choice. And I think I think it's fundamental. We all have a birthright to be happy. It's like default. It's the default setting. Yes. And of course, life hits us and challenges hit us. And I don't know, sometimes other people hit us. And, and there are many, many, many reasons to kind of lose that, um, that line, that connection. But I think yeah. if we just 
if you just assume my default setting is that I'm a happy person. So every yeah. time, you know, that, that, that box gets unclicked, I just go back and click it every morning. I start and I click, I just click on that box. I just return to default of happiness. And I choose that whatever happens today, I'll be happy. Yes. I'll be a happy person. Not because something happened to me this way or the other, but because by default, I'm a happy person. Yeah, I am a grateful person. I'm celebrating my life. I'm here, I'm breathing. I get to talk to all your, you know, all your audience and yes. connect to these people. That's I, a really I think positive it's a thing. It's a privilege. Yes. And just going back to something that we, we, we touched on uh, a few moments ago, I just wanted to ask you the question of, do you think men face more issues dealing with unhappiness and making positive change than women? Um, I would say I see a difference and, and I'm not an expert here. I haven't done my like in-depth research. Yeah. But what I found, what I find with my, through my clients, through working uh, with them and observing them. And I, I do have experience working with female clients as well. Um, but generally I find that men struggle a bit more uh, with making a change at, at midlife and mid-career. Yeah, and there are uh, different reasons for that. And um, one I find is that basically men, uh, uh, um, I would say this. If I were if I were to name one reason, I would probably give this one. What I know, what I notice is that men confuse vulnerability and weakness, and they they, uh, they feel that if they are if they show their vulnerability if they show that they are unhappy uh, they will let down other people for instance their families their wives their children um, their colleagues their teams their stakeholders whatever yeah so they actually yeah. keep it all inside and they don't show that they may be unhappy that they may be unfulfilled that they may be dreaming of doing something else so they they like almost like they just close that part of themselves uh, and and they just soldier through. Hi. And they believe that's expected of them, and they believe yes. that their wives expect that of them. Um, they believe that everybody expects that of them. Yeah. And when when you when you speak to these these males, uh, what what advice do you give them, Anna, to encourage them to? To, to show more about their, their inner feelings and express themselves further? How, how do you encourage them to do that? What would you say? Well, basically what I'm saying is that at midlife, uh, that's the only way to unlock your new impact and new energies to go through that door, to open that door where it says vulnerable, where it says uncomfortable, where it says feelings, where it says heart. It's that door. And for, for a man, that door is vulnerable. Sometimes it's door uh, that men, uh, sometimes the door says shame. Because for men, being vulnerable, weak, is very, very close to shame. So uh, uh, um, it's a little bit like Brenda Brown, you know, talks. Yes. Uh, although I think there are a lot more women following her than men. <laughs> Yeah, but I I do I do find that uh, maybe uh, what what is shameful for women is different what is shameful for men and I think for many many men at least almost all men I work with they uh, they kind of feel vulnerability is shameful. Yes, 
I, I I read an interesting story this morning, just just going off track a little bit, but um, I was just following the the international news, and it, it was about um, uh, a footballer for Adelaide United who are based in Australia, and it, this quite shocked me. It was a it, it was a footballer called Josh Cavallo, and uh, he he came out and expressed that he was gay. Uh, he'd been mm. keeping it a secret for a long time uh, mm. and felt that this was this was something that he needed to express. And uh, I was really shocked to find out he he currently is the only professional footballer in the world who who openly admits that he is gay. And oh, uh, wow. the yeah, I, it just hit me. Oh, it's just like wow, that's you know, I can't believe you know in in such contemporary times, there's not more males that you know are quite willing to share that, and you know, obviously mm. share their story with with people that are going through similar sexual questions and what they should be what they should be doing, fighting with their sexuality. And I, I just thought. You know what a brave man! What a brave man to be to be coming Absolutely. out. Absolutely, yeah, and and saying that, and that just goes back to your your idea of. I was thinking, what, why, why don't, why don't footballers come out come out with this uh, these things? Because clearly, there's more there's more than one gay footballer, and I was and when you just mentioned must be, I, I would say, yeah, 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 the statistics would tell us so. And I was thinking about what you said about shame and vulnerability. Is it to do with mm. that, I wonder? Might be. Identity, yes. Because you see uh, you see what basically happens at midlife is that the way I see it, you know, uh, well, not just me. There, there's a lot of body of work, for instance, also works of Carl Jung, you know, the uh, Swiss uh, psychiatrist and psychologist yes. who also did a lot of research on this. But basically, we are running out of steam. Let's say... Uh, uh, if you graphically imagine that you, you're climbing the mountain, so the midlife is where you're standing at the top of the mountain, yeah, and yep. somehow the uh, and the source that you worked off previously is kind of running out, and you have to change your source. That this is how I see it overall, metaphorically, so to say, uh, in order to have because I you have a choice either you will just go down the mountain and and unfortunately for many men it happens very rapidly decline and stagnation and then rapid decline. And yes. forces of gravity basically taking over and basically men feeling I'm done. That's it. That's it. You know, I, 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 I'm not what I used to be at 20. That's it. And they just whoo, very, very, very kind of rapidly go down the hill. And even if they live longer, it's still, it's still, sh uh, I mean, research shows that there's still, um, there will be many years basically of suboptimal performance and kind of different degrees of despair. Yes. They also, I was shocked to see, I didn't know that, but when I was doing research around my, my client audience, I also was shocked to learn that in the Western world, the Europe and the US, uh, the midlife men are, are the highest suicide demographics. Wow. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot. I mean, I was talking a few podcasts ago about uh, to, to a guy that uh, he just started up a new business and he was telling me about uh, how he'd, he'd attempted to take his own life and you know after he was unsuccessful thank the lord um how he how he decided to change things and um i mean what a dark place you have to be to to feel 
to feel that way that you would want to take your life Absolutely. So, so basically he was he was standing with this next to this door with shame he he was he he absolutely could not see that he would he saw failure as shame he saw that he wasn't successful with his business as a failure that's one and he saw it as shame and something he absolutely could not bear to step into come out about yeah so it, it is a come out of sorts yeah Yes. So, yeah, a lot of men kind of not a lot, hopefully not a lot, but I'm just saying still, this is a, a vulnerable demographics. They uh, actually and, and then I actually uh, heard my clients also saying I even thought of taking my own life. And these are like successful people. They have income, they have jobs, they have families, they have kids and they, they, they have a challenge. You know, maybe they were made redundant. Maybe they were passed off for promotion. Maybe something's not working. Maybe the business venture wasn't successful. And they're already thinking, oh, life is not worth living. I cannot face my wife, my kids, my life without, you know, having that success, which is like heartbreaking, really. Yeah. And how do, how do you how do you tap through to them? Anna, how do you get through to them when they're, when they're expressing that to you? What What would you say mm -hmm. to them or advise them? Well, I I work with the assumption that there is a there is a voice inside of them. Uh, so it's not just me kind of getting through to them. They come to me because there's something there's a knowledge deep inside them. Call it wherever you want, intuition, heart, soul, I don't know, but something inside them saying there is more to life than this. I can create more impact. And actually men, you know what's important for men is that they have to absolutely have to share their gifts with the world they have to do it and right. by midlife they've accumulated so much gifts talents traits things they can help people with and they're sitting with all this baggage and with all this kind of desire to give it out to to make the world a better place and if they don't act upon it it turns this energy turns inwards and it, it kind of becomes a destructive force yes so I am connecting to that voice inside that says, I have more to share. It's not about, oh, I want more money. I mean, my ego, you know, I, I, no, they really genuinely want to share their gifts. They yes. genuinely, they want to, they want to train younger people. They want to leave an imprint in the world and they want this imprint to be positive. I, I, I think those words are very good. Leaving an imprint in the world. I, I've spoke to a few people about this, uh, this idea of, um, I don't know, immortality, let's say, where people want to live live longer and leave leave something behind them. And I, I do try and say that that it is the it is the younger people in your life, whether it's your children or whether it's uh, your extended family or going back to teaching, perhaps why I did teaching, you know, the pupils, mm -hmm. the younger people in your life, you want to give, you want to share something. So I completely understand what you're saying about that. Yeah, and when they do that, they create bigger impact. They help people. They help the well. It doesn't matter what avenue, as long as it's their avenue. And I almost see it, you know, Andy. I see it as almost like this big puzzle. Yeah. And there is like a place for each of us, you know. If we are on planet Earth at this time, wherever we struggle with, there is like this place, and that piece, you know, that that shape fits exactly all our problems all our unique you know challenges and imperfections if we just allow ourselves to open that door it says shame but actually it's not shame 
it's not yeah. shame at all it's uh it's treasures yeah and then we say okay i want to share these gifts okay maybe i struggle with this disease so maybe i can help thousands of people who also have the same struggle but they don't know how to, to how to turn to the you know how to push the happiness button they don't know how to deframe it into yes. the like victim victor thing so maybe i'm just i'm not giving you career advice i'm just saying for instance yeah that, that, uh, that's, if i just do uh, that hey, li listen anna that's why i've got you on i've got you on for, <laughs> i've got you on for your advice <laughs> But I'm just saying that's that's one of the example. You can go down the you know hill with the vic victim and self pity and despair, or you can say, you know what, there are, there are so many people who suffer, and that will be my imprint. I will release hey, listen, suffering. This man buddy, will live I, for ten more years. Yeah. Listen, buddy, like I I love that mountain analogy. You know, I am I'm on my way to climbing to the top of that mountain, and then I'm going to throw down a few ropes and pull a few people up with me. That. because i know andy there are new heights open for every man at midlife and i mean look look at all all the treasures um you created it's just about reframing your journey it's about finding this new trajectory yes yeah right great, great and, word and focus your drive and ambition into that yeah yeah and it's possible there is a possibility for every man you don't it doesn't life doesn't have to it's already very old fashioned, like, you know, until 40, 45, and then boom, down the hill. No, not at all. Yes. And I'm just going to move on to something, Anna. I was, I was just going to ask you, do, do you ever feel isolated? Do you ever feel lonely? And if so, how, how do you think you go about dealing with that? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, uh, I do sometimes feel lonely, but I wouldn't say isolated. Um, I generally, I'm, I'm a person who values uh, solitude, I have to say. So I'm, I, I, I found it during these lockdowns that a lot of people suffered from yes, a reduced human contact. I, I continued working with people online and uh, uh, I kind of felt it was nice to be a little bit more in solitude, to have less business travel and so on. So I, I, I saw some upside, let's say, in, in spending more time in solitude. And generally, it's something I enjoy. But I what, do feel lonely sometimes. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah. What, what would you do, uh, Anna? Do, do you meditate? When, do you read books? What do you do when you're, when you're in solitude? Ah, when I'm in solitude? Um, I'm just being with myself. Yes, I do meditate uh, uh, a bit, although I'm not. I'm not a, 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 a great meditator. Um, I have my own way of meditating. Let's say, for instance, I journal. Um, I listen to music. Um, yeah, so I, I I have certain way to connect into my intuitive channels. I love going for walks. I think that what what thing that always kind of helps me to overcome isolation is just stepping out, uh, you know, of my house and going for a walk in nature, feeling my body, seeing other people around, seeing trees, seeing birds, seeing sky, yeah. smelling, you know, the air, uh, and feeling like hey. 
I'm here, I'm alive, I'm on earth, I'm connected, I'm part of this, you know, yeah, wonderful I just, experience. I really understand that, the, the, those things, and it's something we've discussed on the podcast before with people, with guests, um, you know, music, doing a little bit of meditation, uh, going for walks in nature, and, and just one of those key things that, that, that I've started really doing myself is, is you, I'm sure what you're, you're saying is the same, but just living in the here and now, mm. just not thinking too much about my future, not thinking about mm. too much about what's going to happen in the future, not thinking too much about my past, the problems mm. that I've experienced, but just enjoying the here and now, as you're saying, the birds flying in the sky above me, you know, the, the greenery of nature when I'm out on a country walk. Yeah, and I think embodiment is very important because uh, especially when, for instance, now we do a lot of online work, people spend a lot of, a lot of, and my clients particularly, they spend a lot of time in their head. Yeah. And I, I genuinely believe that happiness is a state it's a state and it's a, a full body experience, so to say. Yeah. So you cannot just be happy with just kind of in your head. <laughs> yes, I agree. So, yeah. so you have to move, you have to move your body. You have to feel your weight. Uh, you have to, uh, you know, feel happiness, like in your bloodstream, so to say, you know, you, you, like you, you have to put your hand on your heart and Hey, it's beating. It's happy. It's happy to be alive, you know, this sort of I'm thing. I'm going to write what you just said down. And I think that's a great lyric, feeling happiness in your bloodstream. <laughs> it's a great yeah. lyric for a song. Yeah, good. Do it. Do that. Absolutely. I'll be, I'll be very keen to I'll, hear I'll, that. I'll give, I'll give you a credit if it ever makes it big. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, finish off now and just just round up and what i'm going to ask ask of you uh is something that me and diddy i always ask our guests uh we at the very end and i'm sure you've covered a lot of these but what are your your top three tips that might help people make positive change or help them in their personal life or change their circumstances what would you say your top three tips okay 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 um um okay so uh i will i will repeat about the default you know choose happiness you know really really do not underestimate the power of just choosing that happiness button every day and just feel that happiness is your birthright because a lot of people feel that they need permission to be happy or they feel that maybe uh, if they sacrifice happiness it will make someone else happy no it won't uh, by actually pressing the happiness button, being happy, sharing it with people, you increase happiness in the world. Yeah, happiness is contagious. So that would be my tip number one. Uh, uh, tip number two, I would say connect to people. Uh, okay, we talked about happiness, but now you asked me about change. So for instance, if you want to change, uh, I would say the, the, um, the approach I take, and that's hence my tip, is to see change less of an external thing and more as a change of who you are, which I call identity change or identity shift. Yeah, for instance, you want to, you want to change to happiness. Well, just see yourself. Okay, first visualize who are you as a happy person? How do you walk? How do you dress? How do you eat? How do you talk to friends? How do you start your phone calls? Yeah. How you look at self in the mirror? Do you look like, hey, look at you? 
another another whatever wrinkle or you say oh, i'm so happy to see you today lovely you look at you i love you already yeah so this is uh, and once you kind of um, feel that identity you start shifting into it yeah so i'm, I'm going to use that one anna but i think my partner absolutely think, go ahead I think my partner's going to think i've lost my mind if she sees me talking to myself in the mirror the power of just looking at yourself in the mirror, smiling, it's like a Louise Hay, yeah? and just saying, I love you, try that. You won't believe it because your, your face goes softer, your eyes go softer, and you really get a dose of happiness. And my final uh, tip would be connect to people who already made the change happen. So whatever you want, you want to be a writer, connect to writers. You want to be a singer, connect to singers. You want to be a happy person, connect to happy people. That makes just perfect, just perfect multiply sense. number of happy people around you and be one of them, but also multiply. And if you feel that someone is consistently not happy, maybe like a little bit minimize, if possible, your dealings with that person, yeah? I think that's good so, advice. I think that's really good advice. The last thing I want to, to ask of you, Anna, because I just think that what you've said today is, is good advice for our listeners. How can we find out more about you and your works? What, what would you, what, what, where would you point people towards? Well, if, um, if like your listeners are interested to hear about uh, navigating mid-career, mid-life change uh, as men, uh, I'm happy to share my, my masterclass, which is absolutely free and there is no obligation. And it's funny because I share it and people are like, what do you want? What do you want for it? <laughs> uh, is it really free? And people are extremely, extremely suspicious, but it's really free. And they even can book a call for me with free coaching call. And again, there's no obligation that they have to work with me if they want to work with me. And if I see we are fit, we can talk about it, but it's a separate conversation. It's I generally share the 15 years of experience and I also share my clients' cases. So I, I would be happy. I don't know if you, I can I can share a link with you if to post on your podcast. That, that'd be fine. Yeah. yeah if, you, if you could if you could you could post me that link. I mean, just email it me and we when we uh when we put the the podcast on the uh on the website, we'll we'll have that link that people can access. Yeah. I, of course, also have a website, www.annornova.com. I have a Annornova coach page in Facebook. It's not a super, super active, but that, I mean, there, there are ways. You, this is how you connected to me, Andy, right? Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah, and I'm very happy about that. And really oh, mate, my heart is pounding. I'm full of oh, you. see, you see, we are like, we are doing the happiness loop here, yeah? We're, we're, we're sharing <laughs> happiness throughout Absolutely, throughout your, and it's Europe. What I, what I love about speaking to you, Anna, is uh, it's a shame Didier's not here because Didier's Didier's based in Le Sud de France, in the south of France, and it'd be good. It'd be good for a, a French, a German, and an, an English guy, even though my my family are mostly Irish. To to be okay, Irish, and I have some Russian, and I have a Russian, and I have an Irish as well. So we like, and why Europe? Let's spread it, you know, we're, across we're the planet. We're international, Anna. <laughs> We're international absolutely thank you Andy. oh listen thanks thanks so much for, for doing this uh for doing this podcast with us and uh hopefully I'll, I'll get to speak to you again soon yeah same here i really enjoyed it and i wish your listeners to be happy and i wish you to be happy thank you so much anna brilliant take care